This week's episode of Sawbones includes some mature themes like masturbation and genital mutilation, so some listener discretion is advised. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tom is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. This is a marital tour of misguided medicine. Sid, how you doing? Well, pretty good, Justin, but I, I kind of, before we got started, I, there was something I really needed to talk to you about. Okay, hit me, baby, anything. I mean, this is kind of, it's kind of personal. No, it's fine. It's just us and our close friends here. Well, I've noticed lately that, you know, you just haven't been very interested in, well, you know, like, private time you mean sex yeah that's what i mean wow uh okay so couple things uh first one i guess would be i kind of wish we talked about this before i pressed the record button i mean that would have been ideal well you said it was okay i i I didn't know i mean i thought maybe we were going to talk about uh whose turn it is to wash the dishes something like that always yours always mine correct that's right that was a trick that was a trick question. Um, so, what, I uh, okay, I, so I'm sorry, just, first off. Well, thanks. But I just thought, you know, maybe something was going on. And so, you know, I've, I've really been thinking about it. And I think I know the reason. Hit me. Well, you know how you've started eating cornflakes for every meal? Right. Every single meal, morning, noon, and night, cornflakes. Right. Well, aside from the fact that that's really a, a lot of carbs. Eh, well debatable you know and kind of low on like all other parts of the nutritional pyramid i think it's fortified but go on um i think i think all that bland food is really driving driving your libido down there honey okay i know you're technically a medical doctor i'm looking at your diploma as we speak (laughs) uh but what why are you formulating this this theory? I mean, what is what is led you to this point? What are you basing this on? Well, I'm I'm really building this on the teachings of the great uh, Doctor John Harvey Kellogg. Now I know I know Kellogg. I see that name hell three times a day when I tear open uh, one of my many many boxes of cornflakes. It, it it looks ridiculous in our cabinets right now. It's just it's just wall to wall cornflakes everywhere, and then my hummus. In the cabinet. <laughs> I don't know how to store food. Yeah, it's rotten, but <laughs> God love her. She she won't give up on it. Tell me about John Harvey Kellogg, Sydney. Well, John Harvey Kellogg is a, he was a doctor. Uh, he was a surgeon. 
a physician, a surgeon. He lived uh, from 1852 to 1943. And most people um, recognize that name and think instantly of cereal, as you mentioned. Delicious, delicious, life-giving cereal. Now, to be fair, the cereal that we all know and love, well, you love today, Mm -hmm. uh, Kellogg's cereal, is actually the creation of his brother, Will, not John. Will Kellogg. But John was involved in the initial process. So... So how did John, John Kellogg, the one we're going to talk about John today. Kellogg's the one we're going to talk about today because he's the one who um, was, a, I, I don't want to say a little crazy because that's not fair, but had some interesting ideas about medicine. Well, let's take it back though. How did he get his start? Tell me, tell me the origin story of weirdo John Harvey Kellogg. <laughs> so John Kellogg was born in Tyrone, Michigan to John and Ann Kellogg. Sure. Uh, he... Grew up there, attended Battle Creek Public School. He started studying. He was he was an active member. This is kind of the beginning of his um, pathway. He was an active member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it was actually at the urging of one of the church leaders, Ellen White, that he attended medical school um, because they had a lot of ideas about healthy living and promoting a, you know, a better, uh, healthier lifestyle. And they thought, you know, we could really use a physician to help guide our kind of ideas about this. In classic, to share them. In classic fashion, they had a lot of ideas, but not based on reality they thought hey let's wouldn't it be great if we had someone who actually knew about this stuff so we wouldn't just have to keep guessing <laughs> well that was kind of the problem is that a lot of their medical theories were based on um well visions and visions uh ellen white was a prophet and spoke uh with god many times and so a lot of her ideas about healthy living were from those conversations okay god getting into the nutritional game <laughs> I it's, say leave it's it a to, huge market, okay? Say, yeah, not not content to just leave it to Susan Powder. God's God's <laughs> dipping his uh, ephemeral toe in. The, <laughs> the margins are great. The great margins on health. <laughs> so, uh, so John Kellogg decided he was going. He was an, an active member, and he wanted to go into medicine. So he initially actually studied at the Hygiotherapeutic College of New York, um, which uh, was a school that. Um, Russell Trawl, who was actually an MD, he was actually a doctor, had opened to kind of promote uh, a way to teach medicine in light of his own beliefs, which were about uh, vegetarian lifestyle and don't use medicines, like that if somebody has a disease, it's not that we need to put something in there to fix it. We just need to figure out what they're doing wrong and take that away. So a lot of what we'll see later that John Kellogg went to develop his theories about health and, and you know healthy living were based on some of these same ideas. But he also knew that this was kind of, you know, this was like a one-sided kind of view of medicine that he was getting. So he transferred to what would later become Eastern Michigan University and then to the NYU Medical College at Bellevue. So kind of all over the place. Yeah. Was he looking for someone who mirrored his own beliefs or was he still kind of forming those, do you think? I think he was still forming those beliefs. I think he he was definitely already influenced by um, you know, the leaders at the Adventist church who had, you know, kind of shaped his way of looking at the world. Um, and he was, I think he was looking for support in the scientific realm for the things he already believed. He already had his conclusions. He just, he wanted, you know, some reasons for them. <laughs> so he, uh, he finishes medical school. What's, what's, what's next for, for Kellogg? 
So when he finished medical school, he actually, very young, he, he came to the what was called the uh, Western Health Reform Institute of Battle Creek, which was a center for healthy living that uh, Ellen White had started. Um, and he became the chief physician there at the uh, young age, I believe, of like 24. Wow. Um, he also, by the way, he married Ella Eaton. And throughout their life, I think it's interesting, he had 42 foster children. Wow. He actually adopted seven of them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was a busy guy. As we go on, I'm going to tell you about what he did because uh, the Western Health Reform Institute of Battle Creek, he renamed the Battle Creek Sanitarium, which you may have heard of. It's a creepier name, but perhaps a punchier one than the Western Health Reform Institute <laughs> of Battle Creek. That would imply that there's an Eastern Health Reform Institute of Battle Creek that they that they had a, a an ongoing feud with. To be fair, there may have been... It just didn't, you know, it didn't get the uh, recognition because it didn't have a John Kellogg. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yes, if, he, if you worked at the Institute, the Eastern Health Reform Institute of Battle Creek, uh, shoot us an email. email us. Sawbones <laughs> at maximumfund.org. We'd love to know. But, or perhaps if you worked at the Northern Health Reform them, or the really? Southern. Yeah. Any of the health Southwestern hit of us Battle back. Creek. <laughs> um. So he so he started working there and he changed it to the Battle Creek Sanitarium, which would actually be later just known as uh, the Sands, the San, the no, San. That's no, what it was called. No, so what does the name sanitarium imply? Now, this was uh, a lot of people get this confused with a psychiatric facility or a, a mental health facility. It wasn't. It was just a like a, a hospital or a or a health center, if you will. A place where you could go and stay and get treatments and, and advice and work with a physician on how to be healthier. Hmm. Um, and he, th he was an active guy. He, I mean, he only slept four or five hours a night. He was cycling and jogging every single day. He, like I said, he adopted or he raised 42 children. He wrote 50 books. He edited magazines. Um, this was This was like a dynamic guy who wanted to do lots of stuff, believed he had uncovered the secret to a healthy, happy life and wanted to share it with all these people through the Battle Creek Sanitarium. So what is, what's the secret, Sid? What's his secret to a happy, healthy life? So the whole concept is called biologic living. Biologic living. Biologic living. Again, a lot of this is based on, um, you, you'll get the same kind of thing if you look into the, the uh, prophet Ellen White in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, what she told him to do <laughs> uh, but it basically is a so a grain-based vegetarian diet for sure definitely that's the that's like the big cornerstone okay so far into it cereal way into it not milk i guess no Al almond you can, milk no you can you can have some well you can have yogurt okay so cereal. i guess you can have milk i'm actually into cereal and yogurt mixed together yeah. that's actually a pretty good combo i do that some mornings it's nice, it's a little more substantial. That's uh, not germane to the topic, but go on. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, you can share. Okay. It's a safe space. There's some cranberries in there. Treat yourself. Go on. <laughs> so, no, he, he said you can eat things. Germ. You know, wheat germ's good for you. I don't know why, but they sell it in a big bag, and I put it on stuff. Okay. Well, I think that's good for as far as your breakfast habits. I think we we all understand now. We've pretty got well a pretty covered. good pretty good understanding. I mean, that's just that sometimes I go a little more protein. Today I did some bacon and eggs into that. That wouldn't be now, down. See, that would not be okay. It's not biologic with living. Dr. Kellogg, no. Biologic living is a stupid name, right? That's a it dumb. It is. It a is dumb, a dumb name. That means li <laughs> like life living, yeah. basically? Okay. Yeah. Like living things living. 
Okay. Like the, the science of life living. Okay, so I'm into the grain-based vegetarian diet. Into um, it. What else we got? And that kind of consists of, so eat things like peanut butter, granola, eat yogurt. Um, and then, of course, he invented cornflakes. So eat those because, you know, again, those margins. Um, things to avoid in this diet, for sure, of course, meat. But then things you might not have suspected. Such as? Spices. Mm. All of them. Why? Condiments. Okay. All of them. And then, of course, alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, and sugar. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll get into why the spices and the condiments, because I know that seems odd. Uh, he also believed in some things that are, to be fair, good ideas. Exercise, fresh air, good posture. He also believed in lots of sunshine, you know, and if you couldn't be outside or if it was winter, you should have a sun lamp. Get your D. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't think he knew what he was, that that's what that was for. He knew he felt better. But he knew he felt better. I feel like I Get out in the sun. I don't know what D is, but I feel like I have some. I have (laughs) my D. He believed in hydrotherapy. So just, you know, hang out in the water, I guess. Get some water going on there. And um, and dress well. That's good for health? Yeah. It's all part of the biologic living. I'm not sure if there's a causation or a correlation, but a lot of unhealthy people do seem to wear sweatpants. Like, to be fair... I, a lot of people I see at Walmart that don't seem to be taking the best care of themselves are in some very blossomy, blossomy outfits. I mean, they're very, they're, they're very loose fitting clothing. I think. So it's a real chicken or the egg kind of scenario. Does right. the sweatpants cause the poor health, or the you know, are you trying to hide your poor health by wearing sweatpants? Interesting. I don't know. This and this and more on another episode. <laughs> we'll have to do a study. Our sweatpants episode. <laughs> Now, I, I do think it should be mentioned that at the time, uh, you know, our meat processing industry was not, well, safe or clean. Right. Necessarily. It's bad for you. And um, people did not always have the greatest refrigeration methods available to them for meat. So uh, urging people that maybe meat is making them sick is not totally crazy at the time. Right. But it wasn't. I mean, again, I think this is more like him not knowing why it's better but i mean it was if they could have assured him that it was you know processed well i still don't think it would have been no no he still would not have been okay with it i I think you know his main thesis was that all disease originates in the stomach and bowels so this is the sort this is the site of all of our kind of bad germs we need to cleanse them out of us and uh, only put good things back in so what kind of good things am I going to put in, in me? I'm into the the yogurt and the cereal and the nuts and peanut butter. I, I like all that. Well, you're going to put all those things in you, but you're not just going to eat them, Justin. Well, I'm going to smell them before, I sure. guess. That's uh-huh. good. That sets, that sets the mood for your palate. I'm into that. I'll smell them. Sure. Well, that that's a good start. But what I'd also like you to do is take this yogurt... And just go ahead and put it right up your butt. <laughs> okay. Just right up there. Number one, cumbersome. I That's not a, no, I don't, I. Mm, you may need some tubing. <laughs> I'm good on that front. You know what? I didn't get any t- tubing at the store like you told me to for the episode. I didn't get that. So I'm going to have to hold off. You didn't off get the, the enema yogurt. tubing? Yogurt enema tubing. 
So he believed in daily enemas very strongly because disease originates daily, 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 because disease originates in the bowels. You've got to keep them clean. So daily enemas are important. And the even better are yogurt enemas daily, though. I mean, that's like you can't go to sleep without knowing you had an enema that day. And you're definitely, definitely going to have one tomorrow. (laughs) That's every day. That would be hard to sleep. He, that kind of the cleanliness of colon was very important to his whole. What about tightness of butthole? Like that, <laughs> that's going to wreck your shop. Well, he seemed to do okay. He he had one every day. Yeah, but uh, okay, we know he lived to a nice long age. There's nothing about how cavernous his anus was by the end of it. <laughs> I don't have that's any not data included on that. in the documentation. That was not on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh man, I don't want to so, do a yogurt enema, Sydney. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. Well, okay. Let me let me at least say this. His idea about yogurt enemas were well, one, he he already believed so strongly in enemas, but two, he thought that you could clean out the bad like germs, bacteria is what we're talking about, although he wasn't using that word. But he also thought you would be putting things back into your colon that it needed by putting yogurt up there. Now, that's not a totally crazy thought. Well, probiotics, right? Right. Yogurt does have active cultures in it. So now I am not by any means, let me make this very clear. I am not recommending yogurt enemas to anybody ever. Don't do that. But Please what, don't do that. But what flavor? No. What Eat flavor? yogurt. I will say that unless you're allergic to it or something or you don't like it, then don't. But uh, <laughs> if you enjoy yogurt, that's a good thing. You should eat yogurt. It does have active cultures and those, you know, your bowels do need your good bacteria. Bacteria isn't all bad, you know. Oh, sure. We need a, a bacteria cloud around us. Right. We need a bacteria cloud. You need those good bacteria in your colon. So it's not crazy to think well we'll take the bad stuff out and put good stuff in that's not a crazy idea but a yogurt enema is a crazy idea okay so we don't want to put yogurt in the butt technically speaking no no is there anything else i need to avoid sydney because i'm i'm definitely avoiding the yogurt enemas but i want to try to stay on kellogg's good side at the sanitarium so is there anything else i can steer clear of that might might help well so if you, Dr. Kellogg believed that if all of your problems weren't coming from your stomach, the only other place they could be coming from uh, is your bedroom. He firmly was against any sexual intercourse at all. But that's just counterintuitive. I mean, he thought it was a source of, of disease. Uh, he, he claimed that in the 40 years that he was married to his wife, they never once had sex. And that uh, that it, that was the reason for a lot of the bland diet uh, is that um, foods like grains and cornflakes uh, do not increase your sex drive. So it's easier for you to avoid sex and maintain your your healthy status. But spices and condiments and, you know, things like that make you want to have sex and sugar. So you shouldn't eat them because then you'll want to have sex more. To be fair, if you were married to a man whose anus was like a fleshy tuba. You probably wouldn't want to lay down with him. No, either. we're not supposed to say things like that on this There's show. There's no profanity there. It's just <laughs> bad ideas. So he was he was very much he preached abstinence. He preached celibacy. Uh, that was very that was very important to him. Um, not just you know don't have sexual intercourse with other people, but uh, don't have sex with yourself either. Now, see, this is this is where I I, I have a problem because I mean even in the I mean, even in these backwards times when we didn't know all the stuff we know today, it 
it seems to me that that's so obviously a part of human nature that we need to keep the species going. I mean, it's like it's very obviously essential to our continued existence. It's a very strange perspective. If you read, you know, there are places where he's touted as like the, the father of natural medicine, which is bizarre if you think that it is totally unnatural to tell everybody not to have sex. That's a very unnatural thing um, because you're right. Then our species ceases to exist. And I, I didn't find any evidence that he wanted the human race to die out. So I don't know what his long term plan was. Is it just the idea of triumphing over animal instincts? You think you think that's the idea that, that by giving into that you're, you know, sacrificing some of your health? I think so. I think I think the whole idea of like your body is your temple. You need to keep it sacred, keep it clean, keep it healthy and not let anything violate it. I think that was where he was coming from. Um, and other people and their germs would violate your sacred temple, I guess. So what, I don't know. You mentioned uh, uh, self-pleasuring. What's so, what's so bad about that? Uh, he thought everything was bad about that. Um, he essentially thought any, any of your ills could be caused by masturbation if you engage in that activity. So uh, he blamed cancer of the womb on masturbation. Any urinary problems... Uh, impotence, epilepsy, insanity, any debility, uh, if you had problems with your vision, um, and then, of course, if you were just morally corrupt, all of these things could be caused by masturbation. Uh, he had sp specific cases he would cite, one of paralysis that was caused by masturbation and one of clubfoot <laughs> that was caused by masturbation. And uh, and he, he firmly believed that this was, if it wasn't in your, if it wasn't in your bowels, was in your uh, underwear. I just do want to say one quick note. If you give yourself paralysis or clubfoot with masturbation, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> you did a bad, bad one. That's not how that right. That's a bad job. That's a bad job. That's not how That's you not do not it. not how you do it. Uh, the, I'm sure there are many instructional videos online that you could refer to. Many. I'm if you're sure looking online for... is comprised entirely of instructional videos on, on this topic. Yes. Um, now, Sydney, you could say that... Uh, with all these different symptoms that not masturbating was sort of a cure-all. I think you could say that, Justin. And what do we know about cure-all, Sydney? Cure-alls cure nothing. Yep. So he had to have a treatment for this, right? If somebody just couldn't help themselves but masturbate. Oh, no. And specifically at this point, we're talking about kids. Uh, at the at the San, um, you know, there were a lot of rich people who would come and they would bring their children and you know, you can tell adults not to masturbate and then, I don't know, at least maybe they're smart enough to lie about it or, you know, they're telling you they stopped at least. But the kids, they would catch doing it. And no matter how many times he would tell them to stop, they wouldn't. So they had to come up with a way to make them stop. I read in Red Book once you can give them a ring in their pocket that they can play with that, that would distract them. You read that where? Red Book. You know, the popular women's magazine, Red Book. When were you reading Red Book? I was probably 10 or 12. I don't know. Looking, looking for sexy stuff. No dice. I didn't have <laughs> and a you lot checked of, Red Book? Didn't have a lot of choices in my home <laughs> as a young man. I'm sorry. So how did they stop it? It probably wasn't a ring in your pocket. No. Um, one option was circumcision. So nope. uh, Dr. Kellogg actually recommended against routine circumcision for infants. Okay. Because it's so much more fun to do it when they're young children. I want a like super clear memory of it. Definitely. I well, want that to be my first memory actually. Oh, he wanted you to have a memory of it. That was the whole idea. Stop circumcision or stop masturbation by doing a circumcision 
when they're old enough to remember it without anesthesia so that they have a negative association with you know that whole arena with their penises and they're not going to want to touch them he said it would make them sore initially so they're definitely not going to do anything for a while and hopefully that would stick and they would never want to touch themselves again okay that's that's all pretty messed up Uh, it's very messed up did uh so this is all goofy does uh does does it apply to girls too oh yeah well um you know there is of course uh the idea of the i I hate to even use the term female circumcision because i think we're talking about genital mutilation at this point um but certainly that was an option and he was a surgeon he performed all these surgeries himself um so you could remove the clitoris if it was necessary but most of the time you could just settle for putting carbolic acid on the clitoris of a young woman who would not stop masturbating Ugh, that's so just burn it with acid just burn it with acid if these things didn't work you could bandage their hands tie their hands together um oh and you're always watching them 24 7 by the way he definitely recommended that keep your kids with an eyesight all the time don't let them have any privacy if they hove out of your field of vision they may begin masturbating you could Boy, um, do you know how much you have to want to masturbate if you know that you are running a risk of getting the tip of your penis lopped off? Like, do you know how much you have to want to masturbate? I mean, I'm saying when I was 13, it might not have stopped me, to be fair. <laughs> I was pretty determined if memory serves. But um, that, that's, that's, that's horrific. Maybe you were just eating too much sugar. Maybe that was the problem. I did like to put mustard on things. So that <laughs> does, that would explain a lot of it really into garlic you, salt. you occasionally use paprika paprika yeah that so you can't even really blame me sydney this seems so nutty is it was it did it work i mean were people into it no i mean well were people into it that's a tricky question certainly um the people at the sand were very into it and and let me just finish out that thought there were the surgeries of course but you could also put um some cages that he patented for um your genitals some genital cages so that you couldn't touch yourself or you could sew the foreskin together um, or you could just apply electrical shocks to all of your private parts so he had all these options for children as well and uh, the sand became very very popular Um, at its height there were like 7,000 guests 1,800 staff famous people came John D. Rockefeller Amelia Earhart Henry Ford wow Sojourner Truth, Mary Todd Lincoln. Ah, Taft. Mary Todd Lincoln. We got you again, Lincolns. You're on <laughs> Every notice. Every episode. Every episode. That's we're right. coming for the Lincoln family. And with all these famous rich people coming to the sand, it, it was, you know, everybody thought, well, it must be, he must know what he's talking about. These must be good ideas. I can't imagine. I don't know why all these people were locked there together and told not to have sex and they were okay with it. So these glory days uh, could not have lasted forever, uh, I'm assuming, just because it's, you know, it's not a thing now. Well, uh, I think the first problem, the, the, it should be noted, the Seventh-day Adventist Church actually broke all ties with him in 1907. Do you know how bad off base you have to be for churches to say you've gone too far off yeah, the reservation? You, you based your whole, like, thing on our teachings, and now you've totally screwed it up. I listened. Hey, dog, I had another vision. It was Big G, and he's like, we're out. Yeah. 
do you know what he's doing to little kids penises yeah or he was cool with the yogurt even the whole thing the butt yogurt that's great he's just not this whole scene this is a mess he cannot be a party to so it it continued on until really the depression at that point people just couldn't afford to go it kind of declined in popularity he tried a lot of people had, had tried to push him to move the whole thing south where the weather was better because one of his big things was like hang out outside in the sunshine and everybody said we'll move it to florida so finally in like 1931 he moved it down to miami but it was just never really as popular as the original san was it kind of i mean i think it had just fallen out of favor at that point plus that was when he started talking about the importance of eugenics and separating the races Uh uh-oh and at that point i imagine that a lot of people lost interest in him yeah, I and ass- hanging out with him. I assumed maybe he lost a few friends over that one. You know, you really would have thought that the, the mutilation of children's genitals would have done it, but I guess... There had to be a few stragglers. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. And he really was. That That is something, you know, we've said some nice... I don't want to say nice things about him, but we've said some, some fair things about him. But he definitely uh, was a member of the Eugenic Society, and he... Uh, promoted even though he adopted uh, african-american children he absolutely thought that anybody who wasn't white was polluting the gene pool so awesome not a great job not a great not a great guy it should be noted his brother will uh, kellogg was a much cooler guy they accidentally invented cornflakes when they were trying to make some other gross bland flake and they burnt it and then they ended up with cornflakes uh, and they uh, disagreed over whether or not they should add sugar. They should. Well, that's what Will said, and he did. They went their separate ways, each making their cornflakes, Will's with sugar, John's without, and eventually Will formed the company we know as Kellogg and all the cereals that came therefrom. Uh, tell me, just tell me he's dead. That's, that's all I want to know. <laughs> he definitely is. He died uh, at age 91 of pneumonia. Um he wanted to make it to a hundred. He didn't quite make it. <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny goal. Like I, you know, my goal is just not. That's, don't die. Just don't die. Like I think it's just why set limits. How about we just all have a goal of just going as long as we can without dying. <laughs> well, I think you know he was trying to be realistic, and he was also using his life as a like an example of the success of his own theories. You know. Like, look how great I did, and I did all the things I said you should do, so. I I think anybody who restricts their diet and does the yogurt, I mean, he's obviously determined. Now, it, it is sad. He, he wrote, uh, this is interesting, he wrote a letter to his brother Will on his deathbed, apologizing to him so that they could be friends again before he died, and his secretary also hated will so much that she refused to send it so after he died she just stuck it in a drawer somewhere and it was found decades later who am i supposed to feel bad for again the uh, general mutilator or his brother i guess i feel bad for his brother because brother all he did was like make sugary cereal is that bad though i don't know that seems to be it's it hasn't been great for america long term i think and now to be <laughs> now that, that's fair and to be fair i don't really know much about will kellogg's personal beliefs he may have been just as big a jerk as it sounds like john kellogg was i don't really know although to be fair you would have to add a lot of sugar to cornflakes before your your uh the uh, a genital mutilator level of bad person yeah, yeah separation of races kind of you know i don't jerk. Even, i don't think 
I don't even think oops all crunch berries reaches the level <laughs> of genital mutilation. What about that Reese cup cereal? Does oh, that one count? That may be. That's that's a possibility. Um, it should be noted that John Kellogg also invented electric blankets. Great. Okay. Thought, all all is absolved. All and, you're off the hook. But then no, because he made meat substitutes, protose and nutose. I don't even know. Ugh. So. Oh, Kellogg. I know. You got and, you got so close. You feel too close to the sun. And your wings, your, your wings genitals. melted. Your your wings melted onto the genitals of youth. Ugh. Ugh. Now, um, most people probably are familiar, at least somewhat, with John Kellogg because this, of course, was the basis for the movie uh, Road to Wellville. I'm I'm assuming it's a heightened, a heightened version of the story, or maybe it's absolutely all. no. I mean, it's based on these things that we've talked about, but it, it's different. And I I it's been a long time since I see the movie, but I don't I've seen the movie, but I don't think they cover the circumcision aspect at all. I bet they didn't. That probably made it on the if you'll pardon the pun cutting room floor. I that was unnecessary. Uh, thank you so much to li- for listening to our program, Sawbones. We hope you uh, uh, had a lot of fun here today. Um, we want to thank people taking time out to uh, to tweet about the program. That that always makes our day. Uh, I read everyone. Sydney reads everyone, and I do too. But she, she I think she tries to shield me from. Well, the that's because ones. I read them to you. You guys have all because I can't read. You guys have have actually been everyone's been really really nice and complimentary using the uh, at Sawbones on on Twitter and uh, and helping to spread the word there. We we have really really appreciated it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I'm really glad that that those of you who enjoy it do. Thanks to people who reviewed the show like uh, DV Mock, Action Allen, E T I N K C, Reject Fourteen, Cam Crane, Pod Gong. Derp in Brooklyn, Dr. Fibs, Cad God, Jess Callum, Lobster Butt. <laughs> I like Pop C, uh, the Marlo family, Duglia, uh, so many others. And thank you so much to P.T. Hilton, who wrote a wonderful review of our show, though I really appreciated. Thank you. So thank you to everybody. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the tweets. Uh, we're here every Friday. If you want to get in contact with us at sawbones at maximumfund.org, we have a website, sawbonesshow.com, although that's just a redirect to our page on Maximum Fun, where you can listen to a ton of great programs like uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, Stop Podcasting Yourself, Judge John Hodgman, Wham Bang Pow, One Bad Mother, Bullseye, Jordan Jesse Go, I could go on. And you can always tweet at us at Justin McElroy. And at Sydney McElroy, S Y D N E E. And thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to join us again next Friday. And as always, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.